Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The moment we start to share that reflection that we're having with other people, the clarity starts to show up. And we can share the maps that we're exploring with other people. They share their maps with us. And now the path ahead is illuminated in ways that wouldn't be possible without actually making that intentional space for reflection, for adventure. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, thanks for joining us in today's episode. We have Noah Scott as our guest. Noah is the CEO of The Big Possible and a master in the art of connection and immersive human experiences. In this episode, we talk about designing the life you want to live, why risk-taking leads to personal growth, and the importance of deep human connection. How do you actually design the life you want to live? Noah shares the key ingredients in this episode. Let's chat with him now. Hey, Noah, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm fired up. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for sharing the platform with me. Yeah, I'll tell you, as soon as uh, you know you connected in, I could feel the energy and that gives me a lot of energy. So I'm excited to be talking with you. Hey, you know what I'd love to start with is, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Well, it's pretty unconventional. I am a full-time digital nomad. I've been bouncing around to about 12 different countries this year. And I'm currently in Tulum getting ready to throw a retreat for entrepreneurs. So this is what my business is built around. I basically help entrepreneurs get unstuck by throwing unconventional retreats where people could come and network, get some guidance, counsel, but also just unplug from the grind and get that massively needed perspective and uh, go on some adventures, cultural expansion. So this is what I live and breathe. It's taken a long time to get here, but this is kind of how I've created my life. It's taken me a few decades to build it to this, but I am loving every single minute of it. And it's it's just so fulfilling. That's awesome. So I'm going to circle back to the retreat because I want to spend some time really kind of digging mm-hmm. into that, who it's for, what it's about, what we can get out of it. Before I do that, I do want to ask one little off-the-cuff question. You know, I've had a few digital nomads on my show. Is it worth it? I mean, is it what you thought it would be when you dreamed about it? Are you getting what you want out of it? I'd love to know your take on that. Everything in life is a adaptable and adjustable. And the funny thing is, is that whatever project we start, you know, you can buy a home and you say, is it worth it? It's really like how we as humans adapt to the changes in our life. So I've grown so much as a nomad and I've experienced so much, but I've also experienced a lot of inconveniences in the process. But through these inconveniences, I've learned a few things about the style in which I approach it that really works for me. And so Yes, absolutely. I love not having a lot of things. I love being able to see a lot of different cultures. 
I am slowing the travel down. So instead of being a different country every month, I'm now like slowing it down so I can actually have a community, roots, and I don't have to make new friends every single time I land in a new place. So I'll be in Tulum for three months. After that, I'll most likely be in Colombia for three months. And the pace is slowing down and it's, it's much more relaxing. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Great, great answer. Each time I talk to someone that's living, whether it be even domestically or across countries, it's funny how everybody seems to say there are some inconveniences. And if you can kind of pivot around those and not let them get you, the, there's definitely a lot of benefits to the other side of it in terms of just autonomy of wherever you want to be at and just kind of jumping around, being a wanderer a little bit, a nomad a little bit. It ultimately comes down to really questioning the norms of what you want in your life and then designing the life to, to basically fall in the, into the structure that you yourself are gravitating towards. And whatever assumption that there might be, that maybe it's conditioning, maybe you've been taught there's a certain way to live life. There's probably another more optimal way to live if you actually just uncover the rocks, you start looking underneath and saying, okay, where how can I actually structure it? And so like, when you think about it, it's like, wait, I can just get a virtual mailbox. I can get uh, travels insurance that just basically I've covered wherever I go in the world, work remotely. So like everything I do is over the internet. I stay in smart places where the economy, it, you know, I get a great cost of living and a beautiful, a beautiful like amenities for the same or half the price that I would be paying in Los Angeles. And so all of these factors just takes a little bit of experimentation to find it. But when, once you do, and once you actually question like what we've been served in our life and say, can I create a life that I actually really want? And the answer is absolutely. It just takes a little bit of work. Like everything, it takes a little bit of work oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Hey, so on that note, work, I want to shift gears. So let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. You started out, I believe it was LA Reels was your first company. Can you kind of walk me through what was that like? What made you decide to go? You know, I believe you cut out from corporate at that point. Take us through that a little bit because I think there's a cool story in that. Yeah, boy, I've been an experimenter for a long time. And actually before LA Reels, I did a number of kind of off the cuff, random side hustles. I started a soap company with my dad. It was like total Tyler Durbin style. <laughs> We'd make soap out in Nevada. I'd bring it and I'd sell it at farmer's markets. And it was awesome. It was really good stuff. Then that just, I didn't know what I was doing. That just kind of fizzled out. Then I had a fashion line that was cool, but I wasn't making money with it and also didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and then, you know, and then after a lot of searching, I realized that what I wanted to do is help people tell stories with media. And started a production company with $15 and living in my, my friends. I was interning for a, a director and I was using, I was borrowing his equipment to basically start a production company and, you know, worked with my buddies. We, we went from basically nothing. We just, we, we contacted all the actors in Los Angeles and we started producing demo reels for them. And this was back in the day when no one else was really doing this. And what we did is we got our chops up as filmmakers we were able to provide value for these actors and these producers who needed content. And so it was a win-win for everybody. Before we knew it, we started to grow the business to the point where we just had people knocking on our door and we had a steady flow of production happening. We leveled up. We had to the point where we were producing commercials for brands. We were producing bigger films. And eventually we just kept climbing the mountain until we were able to produce a feature film. One of the biggest business mistakes I've ever made But 
it creatively, it was super freaking cool to be, uh, you know, to have produced and directed a feature film. A lot of work went into it. But ultimately, that I think burnt me out. At the end of it, we had a feature film. I was no longer fired up by the original business. I was ready for something different. But I also started to realize my own limitations that I don't really know. I've been self-taught in the whole entrepreneur game. I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I wanted to get involved with other businesses. I wanted to start serving businesses more. And I realized I needed to kind of button up. So I started working at a marketing agency. And I really resonated with the vision of, of the founder. And I was, I was working very closely with him. And he was like my mentor for a long time. During that process, there's times in your life when it's super important to go and actually be an employee. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to actually have the resources to implement cool projects, implement initiatives. And the risk is not... If you experiment, you still have a paycheck, which is kind of cool. You know, So there's phases in your life where it's like, take advantage of your job, learn as much as you can, grow, and then get ready to do your own thing versus trying to figure everything out on your own. Sometimes that pressure can be super overwhelming. But that was kind of the, the journey, I think, for the last summing up a decade right there. It's, it's pretty wild when you look at it, but so many pivots along the way. So one of the things you said, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I think you said the film that you did was actually one of the worst business mistakes you made. Did I hear that right? And what, what made it the worst business mistake? Was it in terms of profitability or expand on that a little bit? Focus. Focus, Focus was oh. the, the challenge. So our core business model was we were actually starting to thrive. We were doing really well. We were in, our, I think, our third year of business when it was finally like things were actually pumping. And had we stayed diligent to the core business rather than diverting our focus to something that... I mean, for those of you who haven't produced a feature film, it's expensive. It's extremely expensive and time-consuming. So what happened was during the process of making the film, all of our focus, we had a great business that was, that was thriving. We had domain expertise in the industry. We were getting a lot of requests. But when you divert your focus into something else, without having the frameworks in place and the, the core team in place to have things run behind the scenes, it's going to fall apart. And that's kind of what happened with our business. We put 80% of our focus into the feature film we funneled all of the profits from our existing business into that. And ultimately, because it was we were also producing an action film with an extremely limited budget, it ended up being way more work for us than feasible. So what happened was the film got done, the business kind of stagnated. And then when it was done, my fire was out. I was stretched so thin over this two-year period that... I no longer had that oomph to go in and, and actually like revitalize the business. So the business is still thriving. I, I sold my shares to my partner and uh, he's still running it and it's holding up and it's doing great. And it's just and it's supporting several people on the team now. But at the time, like I realized that, that had I not done the feature film and just stayed diligent with the core business, things might've been a little bit different. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just when it comes to business, focus is your greatest weapon. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that thanks for your transparency on that. Hey, I want to talk about kind of switch gears here. So we talked a little bit about this in our previous conversation. We had a short conversation outside of this interview about risk taking and developing a vision, a big vision. What are your thoughts around that? Risk taking is one of the coolest things we can do because <laughs> without taking risk, we're not going to grow. 
And ultimately, we have two choices. One, stay the same. Don't take the risk. Two, take the risk and maybe fail, maybe succeed. The odds, when you really look at it, the hardest thing is actually just taking the initiative to make it happen. And when you can align your desire to grow, desire to actually make an impact over staying the same and actually follow through with that, there's really nothing but good things that are waiting for you. Because even failure is going to teach you. Even failure is going to give you the lessons. They might be hard lessons, like looking at the feature film. That was a big risk that we took and absolutely was one of the coolest things I've ever done, regardless of how smart the decision was. I learned a lot, you know, and I now found the vision that I'm really fired up about. So when you're making a hard decision and when you're making, you're facing a big risk in your life, two of the frameworks that I love to use are first identifying whether or not this risk is line, is aligned with your vision. Now, how do you find a vision in the first place? It really comes down to asking yourself big questions. What's the thing that you are so pissed off about around the world that you will fight for with your last breath? If you can just write down all the questions out there. Now, think of this as righteous anger. It's not something that's like, oh, I hate traffic. It's like, what do you want to fix? What do you want to be the champion of? And is that fired up enough? Or are you fired up enough about that to actually like push yourself to wake up every day and say, like, what can I do to fix this problem? The other question you want to ask is, what do you really, truly enjoy doing? It doesn't necessarily have to be like the love, like, oh, I enjoy coffee and sitting down with fluffy socks in the morning, but things that like creatively fulfill you, things that give you energy and don't drain you. With those two things in mind, you can create a some, somewhat of a life vision, right? For me, I love travel. I love community. I also love entrepreneurship. And my mission is to help entrepreneurs get unstuck, right? So that's kind of where the concept for my mission comes from. Now, all you have to do is filter the opportunities that show up in life. When you're faced with a risk, now the question is, okay, does this opportunity serve this vision? And when it does, it's a no-brainer because it's like, okay, if I don't act on this risk, then what's going to happen is nothing's going to change. I'm not going to push this mission forward. I'm not going to grow. And when you're actually making the decision on the risk, you can weigh it out. What's the absolute worst thing that can happen? Chances are the worst thing is not that bad. When you really frame it, sometimes our mind will create this very dangerous fear that like it's, it's dark, it's gruesome, and I'm going to end up homeless and I'm going to have to eat like hamburgers that have been three days old <laughs> under a bridge. And it's actually not that bad. Like what thinking in context, like throwing a retreat, I'm going to have to dump 50K on like villas, food, chefs, and there's a chance that nobody shows up. Okay. Worst case scenario, I'm 50K in the hole. I can get back from that. I can go find a job if, if it doesn't pay out. But then on the other side of the spectrum, think about the absolute best that might happen. What if it actually works? What if I actually do help some incredible entrepreneurs have breakthroughs, form business partnerships, then they go tell their friends. And who, you know, because I took this risk, maybe I'm actually changing lives. Maybe I'm actually pushing this vision forward and I'm growing along the process and all that momentum starts to serve me. Wow, that's an incredible, the odds of that. So even if I do take the risk and I fail, I can get back. 
if I take the risk and I succeed, wow, how cool is that going to be? Chances are we're going to fall somewhere in the middle where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get some impact. I'm going to have some success. It might not be as amazing as the best case scenario, and it might not be as bad as the worst case scenario. But because I took the chance, now I have something that is so powerful and that is momentum. Hey, this is Tyler. Oftentimes, business owners and entrepreneurs hire me because they are stuck. Their business is stuck. They've hit a wall and can't take their business to the next level. And they're frustrated. When I grew my second business, it took me a while to get the pieces to fit. But once they did, the business scaled fast. In fact, it grew to $25 million in annual revenue and ultimately sold for eight figures. So I decided to put together a roadmap for scaling a business. I want to help stuck business owners that want to scale but are having challenges. It's called the Scale in 5 Roadmap, and you can get a copy by doing the following. Text the number 55444 and type the word SCALE and hit send. A copy of the roadmap will be sent to your inbox. It might not be as amazing as the best case scenario, and it might not be as bad as the worst case scenario. But because I took the chance, now I have something that is so powerful, and that is momentum. Wow. I like that. I like how you kind of analyze the best and the worst. And the reality is it's probably going to be somewhere in, in the middle. But occasionally, you're going to win the lotto and go big or go home type of thing. But you'll never win the lotto if you don't take the shot. Right. I like that. It's crazy. I like that a lot. So, hey, you you talked about connections. And I think you mentioned the word networking, or maybe I'm using the word networking. I think you use the word connections. Is that part of... I want to slowly edge our way into this retreat. Is that one of the fuels you said breakthroughs also. What, what do you get out of going to these retreats? Is it a breakthrough that you're looking for in deep connections? Does Do breakthroughs always happen? What's your feedback on that? Absolutely. Breakthroughs definitely happen when you have the right ingredients. And human connection is probably the biggest ingredient for breakthrough. Once you start having... So often in our life, we can have the same homogenous ideas. We're with the same people. We're having the same conversations. Small talk settles in, and we're not we're not having that expansive view of the world and how we our part in the world is is playing with every, everything else. And so, once you take a step away, you retreat right from the grind, and you put yourself in an intentional frame of mind to actually allow breakthroughs to come in, while at the same point in time enabling that that magic that happens with human connection when you are articulating the challenges that you're going through. You're sharing your perspective with other people who are also, they're pioneers in their own right. Each of us as an entrepreneur, especially, we're adventuring into the unknown of what's possible. The moment we start to share that reflection that we're having with other people, the clarity starts to show up. And we can share the maps that we're exploring with other people. They share their maps with us. And now the path ahead is illuminated in ways that wouldn't be possible without actually making that intentional space for reflection, for adventure. So yeah, this this is kind of the, the framework that I build the retreats on is, is inherently around three components. One being connections, community. With the leverage of a community, you're able to now tap into the resources of other people. You're going to tap into the guidance and the clarity from other people's perspectives and have support and accountability when you are reaching for something that's bigger than yourself. The other component is 
the adventure and the personal reflection, intentional time where you're pampered in a luxury environment so that you do have the space to have the breakthroughs. You do have the space to actually think about what your purpose is in the world. You have the space to actually think about what makes you happy. And that permission is something that so few of us give ourselves. But it's, some, it's, it's the most critical thing. Like if you actually give yourself four or five days to think about why you're here and what you really want, wow, how the rest of the year is going to be so much different than if you actually just, you know, kept heads down, just jumping from task to task to task without thinking about the meaning behind it. And then I think that final component is really around the guidance. And so we bring speakers in, we actually have a framework or we have playbooks that we share around how to connect the dots from where you are to where you want to go. And while you're there, you'll have counsel with speakers, with mentors, sharing perspectives with other people. And so those three components are really what make the, the backbone of the retreats that we do. Now, there, there are different retreats out there for different purposes, but the ones I host are 90% geared towards entrepreneurs and giving them the tools and the frameworks to, to thrive. So adventures, like, can you give us some examples of like, what are some adventures that someone would go on on these retreats? Yes. So we did, so the last one we did in Morocco is so cool. We, we did a camel ride out in the desert <laughs> and then we landed at this, at this pool in the middle of the Agafé desert. We had like a dance party we had uh, performances from like local artists, like the, the Gnawa music. They came to the villa, and again, as Tulum is happening right now, this is this is something that I love to celebrate cultural cultural uh, immersion. So we're going to have some Mayan performances happening here in Tulum. We'll go to a private cenote where we're going to have you know just an opportunity to just thrive in nature and see that that pristine environment that's you know so unique. And then obviously there's beaches, crystal clear turquoise water here in Tulum. And so that's really the nuts and bolts of it, right? A little bit of nature, a little bit of cultural celebration, and obviously amazing cuisine. All of those three things just combined. Wow, it's powerful. So do you find that when you have entrepreneurs in this setting and they're exploring and getting introduced to just these amazing different sensory type things, does that help them kind of drop their guard, if you will, in terms of finding that breakthrough? It sounds like that's part of the formula. Is that what happens ultimately? Yeah. To actually have a deep connection with someone, one of the key components that you need is vulnerability. And when you're in your daily life and the grind of the daily life, you have the walls up. You have a predetermined path and a groove that you go in every day. But when you're in the state of adventure, especially with shared adventure, that enables, it, it opens the door to really deep connections because now you have the shared experience, the sights, the sounds. There's a full sensory immersion that is entirely new. So you're creating new neural pathways in your mind and you're doing that combined with another person. There's a lot of research in like the flow state where if you yourself are in flow, it's one thing. But then when you start to add other people who are also in the exact, in the exact same uh, mission together, that shared energy becomes contagious. And it's like a frequency that once you tap into it, it creates a level of depth that you just cannot get solo. So the collaboration plus you know, witnessing these, you know, these life-changing experiences together with a curated community, wow, that... That's what just starts the tears flowing from everybody that shows up. And I'm talking like seven-figure business owners, like 
powerful entrepreneurs who are there just sharing stories of like the challenges that they've gone through in life, talking about grief, talking about how they deal with their relationships in life, not just tactical things like how do I build a spreadsheet that tracks all of my employees, but the real deep human connection that is really only possible when you do actually step away and you create an environment that that gives you permission to just be raw, to be real, to be you. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you just kind of mentioned it. Is there a certain, like, when you say entrepreneurs, that's a pretty wide definition. Who generally, is there a certain target that fits best for these types of retreats? Yeah, I'm narrowing in a little bit as we get feedback and as we kind of do the marketing, we find, you know, who the right person is. And sure. what I've started to discover is that there is a wide spectrum in terms of of expertise and I generally have three types. So there's the very well-established entrepreneur who's, you know, multi-seven-figure business owners, marketing agencies or software software as a service companies. But then there's also the early stage founders. And I think these are probably the where the bulk of of the guests are. So they're either solo practitioners, artists, creatives, coaches. We also have people that are working at an amazing company. Like we've had developers from big companies like Coinbase, for example. And then what they're doing is they're starting their own thing on the side. So we have that, that early stage solo practitioners who's, who's really looking to scale. And they're looking for the connections, the leverage, and the playbooks to do that. And then there's a small percentage of people who are in a high position of leadership. Maybe they're like a VP of marketing. Maybe they're leadership in, in a team. And what they're really looking for is that ability to be an entrepreneur so that they can take the ideas, the breakthroughs back to the company and the organization that they're in and just play the game at the highest level possible. Okay. So it sounds like an awesome experience. So people are all fired up. They come to the end of this. How do you keep it so that when they leave the retreat, the air doesn't come out of the balloon and and you know how it is. Sometimes you go to seminar, you're all fired up. And then after you go home, it's like back to reality. Do you have something that maintains that, that energy? Totally. And that's, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why I decided to do retreats versus like a conference, for example. Like every single time I go to a conference, I get a stack of business cards that I'm like, great, I got, that was so cool. I got all this stuff. And I look at my notes, I'm like, I don't even remember what these talks were about. I don't remember what this is. And the way that the retreat is able to facilitate that is because it's intimate. We cap it at 20 people. So we're, you're not overwhelmed by the amount of people. Plus, time is the other big factor. You're spending four days together. You actually develop real connection. But then we also, we have a container, which is, you know, we have a 12-month mastermind where we meet once a month. We have face-to-face conversations. We give counsel. We have we bring speakers into the mastermind to continue that evolution of learning and growing together. And then there's the community. We have the Discord community where people are sharing their, their roadblocks, their accountability. We send little gifts for birthdays and and when, you know, members have a baby. And so it's, it's really becomes like a family. And when people get stuck, sometimes they started messaging me, Hey, I'm stuck with this. I'm like, actually just post that in the community, ask some of the other people. Cause there's so many experts in there. And what happens is it's like, now we just have this collaborative think tank. And so the last thing I wanted was for this to just be something that you show up. It was cool. You got a high, but then you're left to the wolves. So I really put a big focus into that aspect of continuous integration with the community afterwards. 
Yeah. It sounds powerful. Sounds really cool. Hey, I want to shift gears. I got one last question I'd love to ask you. I love to end with like either a business or a life tip. Is there something you have off the top of your head that you could share with us that we can either improve our business or our life? I think the most powerful thing that I've got is this is a system called one, two, three. And this is something I learned from my coach, Dennis Procopio. And it's basically, it's kind of the David Allen getting things done to a certain degree where you have a system to capture all of the things that happen in your day that pop up. Every single thought that comes up, oh, I've got to do laundry. I've got to get a haircut. I've, oh, I've got to send this proposal to Bob. Every single task, rather than relying on your own brain to remember it when you actually are at the computer, develop a system that enables you to capture it almost automatically. And what I've found is the Reminders app on the iPhone is so powerful for that. So you can set up an automation. You just say, Hey, Siri, remind me tomorrow at 3 p.m. to... Here, she's listening now. (laughs) (laughs) At 3 p.m. to to do laundry. And then what happens is... She just told me my reminder set for tomorrow. So what that enables me to do is then I sync it with my calendar. So it shows up on my calendar. And your calendar is your one source of truth. Every time you see something pop up in your calendar, now you do so that the one is capture. Two is you put it on the calendar. And then three is you do the task. When the calendar pops up and that notification is there, just do it. If you don't have the time to do it, don't don't throw yourself in a loop of shame and guilt and judgment. Just shift it back to another day that you can actually get it done. And that I think is the most powerful thing. So that way you're you're not overwhelmed. You're not feeling like you're carrying around a mountain of tasks to do because they're out of your head, they're on your calendar, and they'll get done when you get to it. Yeah, I love that. One, two, three. I use Siri neurotically, just like you just said. I use it off my watch. And no matter where I'm at, because a lot of times you forget things, right? But it's beautiful if you have it on your watch. You can just go, hey, Siri, blah, blah, blah. And then she just cranks it and mine's starting up too. Uh, <laughs> she just cranks it right onto your list. And then when you get home or whatever time you set it for, it's almost bulletproof. But I like, I am a little guilty of not doing number three. So mm-hmm. I need to add, make sure I have number three. Sometimes I'll put it on a list and then I get too busy or whatever. And it just becomes this giant list of things I didn't execute on. Yeah. You know, one of the things also, if you want to take it a step further, you can do like a time audit where you start to look at all the things that land on your to-do list and then write out whether or not this thing is bringing you energy, you enjoy doing it, or whether it drains you. If it drains you, then you run it through another filter. Can I automate it or do I need to delegate it? And if the answer is yes to either one of those, then you just create a process to hand off all that stuff that drains you so it it happens behind the scenes. Little by little, before you know it, you're only working on the things that invigorate you, that light you up, that fire you up, and you're less likely to skip the thing on your calendar. Yeah, that's a great one. Great. So we got two tips there, a bonus tip. (laughs) So your website, thebigpossible.com. Once again, thebigpossible.com. I'll put that in the Think Tyler show notes. If there's anywhere else, Noah, people wanted to reach out to you, do you want them to go to some other site or social media location? Yeah. So find me on social media at Follow Noah. I should be at Follow Noah just about everywhere or at The Big Possible for the company site. And you know, I've got the podcast is a great way to start. 
to just kind of get some cool inspiration. I've got some like guided meditations. If you just need a, like a reset, there's a lot of resources on the site there. So obviously if you're interested in joining Tulum, you can find more about that on the site as well. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks a lot for your time. I hope you'll come back in the future and really appreciated talking with you. Tyler, my pleasure, brother. Thanks. Take care, Noah. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. DC, I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.